seconds flat. Give me up. Put it down, put it This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Black Zero. Oh, my God. Hello, friends. Welcome back for mile 142 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Travis with you, got Phil alongside. I cannot see your beautiful face, Phil, after we've fought through technical difficulties for the past half hour. We have finally locked in here. So great to be with you again. We are excited for a little shoe review action tonight. That should start with, Phil, you had your first taste of the Ace oh. Super Blast provided to you by the good people at Columbus Running Company. What are your first impressions? I got it in the mail. Let's see, today's Wednesday. I got it in the mail Monday evening. Mm-hmm. My wife was not excited as I ran up and down the hallway here at home. Uh, <laughs> got a nice little taste there. Took it out for a nice, just easy, cruisy five miles yesterday. And oh man, what a fun ride. So much so that I took it out again today for another seven miles or so, which really in itself should be pretty high praise because the last time that I ran in a shoe back to back, I cannot tell you when. But man, thanks to those guys at Columbus Running Company for uh, hooking me up. But that is such a, it's just a fun ride. And I know we got some some indoor track talk to go over today. If you want, we can go ahead and break down uh, my thoughts on the shoe. Yeah, I'd love to, Phil. Why don't you go ahead and give us your initial impressions uh, after, what, 12 miles now in the Super Blast, which has been one of my favorites. And to your point before you go ahead, Phil, it's the shoe that I keep reaching for out of the closet on so many runs. Uh, So I'm with you on going forward on back-to-back days. So tell us more what you thought. My first impression is almost that it's kind of a a quiver killer Mm -hmm. in that it's very light. It comes into like eight and a half ounces. It is very soft, but not in a mushy way. So it's great for just easy recovery miles where the legs need a little bit of a break. You know, I texted you yesterday that does my run even count? Because I didn't really have any soreness afterwards or any you know residual fatigue. So I think it sits nicely there as a recovery day shoe. But Despite that softness, it still has a decent amount of return and a decent amount of responsiveness to be able to to comfortably pick up the pace. You know, maybe not a 5K workout, but certainly for a longer marathon style workout. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think really for somebody that's looking for one all around shoe can certainly be a marathon racer, half marathon racer because of that lightness and responsiveness. You know, know the one drawback is probably the the cost. Mm -hmm. Uh, it comes in at what I think retail is 220 or That's so. Right. But for somebody that knows what they like, knows the kind of ride that they're looking for, but doesn't want to have, you know, a quiver full of shoes, I think this would work quite nicely. And really with the durability of that foam, I, you know, granted I'm only 12 miles in, but I expect to get a significant amount of miles out of this shoe. Yeah, absolutely. I am something like 300 miles in on it. I was looking back through my logs today and 
roughly estimating. So yeah, still a very similar feel at this point in the shoe. So I continue to love it. Let's take a deeper dive into a slightly newer release from ASICS. That is their all new Nimbus 25. ASICS released that shoe last week. I've been putting some miles on a pair I received from the good people at ASICS a couple weeks ago, and it is now available, Columbus Running Company and columbusrunning.com. This is an interesting shoe. There's been a lot of anticipation. It is a massive update, and in short, Phil, this is the best iteration of the Nimbus in recent memory. Interesting. So I have some follow-up questions about where this shoe fits in their line, but um, what's your experience with it? Yeah, let me start with some of the specs. ASICs added quite a bit of stack to the midsole. Version 25 checks in at around 41 millimeters in the heel on the stack and 33 in the forefoot. Ooh, so that's eight, beefy. Yeah, it is. It's an eight, uh, eight mil heel to toe offset, which is less than previous versions of the Nimbus, uh, but that's the normalized drop we are now seeing across the ASICs line. The price tag is $160. And the men's sample size nine weighs in at 10.3 ounces. So Hmm. that's the same weight as last year's model, but with considerably more cushion, something around 20% more cushion. I also think it's just more comfortable cushion for running as we see the Flight Foam Blast Plus foam, of which there's a layer in your Super Blast that uh, you were just referring to. And we see less gel. The gel isn't absent, but it's not showcased and immediately apparent as it has been in previous editions. It is hidden away within the midsole in a new, what they call pure gel form that's around the rear of the shoe. So uh, the midsole looks more like traditional foam throughout. You don't see that block of gel that you might be used to seeing from many Hmm. of the ASICs offerings. In many ways, that, that technology had reached a point where it's a bit dated and with it comes a lot of weight. At 10.3 ounces, this is not a lightweight shoe. This does not in that sense compete with your Super Blast or your Nova Blast, but it is super plush. It is super luxurious. It's comfy as heck. That goes for both under the foot and in the upper. So in the upper, you have the a stretch knit fabric up top, which is largely made of recycled materials, I think 75-ish percent. It's really cushioned on top of your foot. You have the pull tab at the Achilles, which a lot of folks like in getting the shoe on. It's just a super nice step-in feel. As you get the shoe on and start to move with the shoe, it's a very stable ride in large part because it's a much broader platform than before. The fit's true to size. And something that I think you'll like, Phil, is a more noticeable four-foot rocker geometry than in the past. I know you're a fan. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And that's something that's really, to me, hard to tease out without having a shoe actually on the foot, you know, looking at pictures. And some shoes like the, you know, your Hoka's have a very noticeable visual rocker. But I'm always curious how, especially with a shoe like that, that is lowering the the heel-to-toe offset down to eight millimeters. Mm -hmm. What are they doing up front 
if anything, to adjust how that, that ride comes off the forefoot. It has some energy to that ride, but it's mm-hmm. not like a, not a super fast, exciting feeling. So there's no question about the comfort. And for most runners, this is going to be a great everyday option. It's going to protect the body. The weight holds it back a little bit for me from being a home run. And while it has that rocket, it's not like a super poppy, exciting feel, but it's a tremendous upgrade. Maybe the biggest compliment I can give the shoe is how well it stacks up against the other offerings in that $160-ish range of high cushion neutral runners. Uh, yeah. Like a Brooks Glycerin, a Mizuno Wave Sky, New Balance 1080. If I see that lineup of shoes on the wall right now, I'm going to the Nimbus. And frankly, the best uh, compliment I can give ASICs on this is I can't remember the last time that I would have made that choice and said that. So uh, this is just a a really nice upgrade. Plus, last thing I'll add is uh, I've worked in the shoe for a couple longer days on my feet. It held up quite well in that context too. And I know that's uh, sometimes a reason why folks buy a a high cushion shoe as well as they just work on their feet all day. Other follow-up questions you had, Phil? Just for more clarity of where this sits in their line, thinking of, you know, Asics has come out with the Super Blast, which I think of as their max cushioned shoe. But then very similarly is the Nova Blast, which has a very similar purpose to it, I guess. And then as well, the Nimbus also sits in that kind of daily cushion trainer. But among those three, like where do you see the Nimbus fitting and where do you see the other two for the runs you would use them for? Yeah. So that Nova Blast is going to be your lightest weight, most streamlined feel. It can be a daily trainer, but it also could be uh, something that you do some up-tempo work in. Mm -hmm. Uh, This Nimbus is a higher stack and significantly uh, bulkier shoe. I think it would be the best fit into that traditional kind of max cushion category. The Super Blast, although it is is very, very cushioned, it's a bit more of a Swiss Army knife. Uh, And and so I don't think it fits against the competitors in that category so well. But it, as you pointed out, might be the most versatile to do a ton of stuff in. I think you could do a ton of stuff in a Nova Blast as well. And I I would also say for the average runner who just likes to get out and and get some jogs in, the Nimbus is is going to work on most days also. I'm going to say for for what I grade it, B plus, maybe A minus. And I'm not sure I've given a Nimbus anything above a a C plus in a number of years. Nice. Well, to me, it almost sounds like a great shoe for somebody that's not quite sure what they're looking for. Like let's, let's start here, put some miles in that, figure out what you, what you like, what you don't like. And then from there, stick with it for the next however many generations or that shoe gives you a good baseline of what works well for you and what, what you might like in, a, in your next model. That's a good point. If you got a neutral motion and you just know at a baseline you like cushion, great option. Yeah. Very right, cool. Phil, really thankful to people at ASICS for providing that option for us and just excited to get it on more feet. So the feedback so far continues to be really positive, much like what I've shared. It has been a pretty historic past few weeks in indoor track, Phil. So let's transition there 
they have been flying. <laughs> yeah, let's recap some of that action. I'm going to take it back almost two weeks now. So first at Boston University's lightning fast track a week ago last Friday, we saw one of the greatest nights of indoor track action in American history. Former Notre Dame star and current member of the On Athletic Club in Boulder, Jared Nagus, ran a new 3,000-meter American record of 7 minutes, 28.24 seconds. That broke Galen Rupp's mark from a decade ago and also best Grant Fisher's outdoor number set last summer. Uh For the uninitiated in 3K pacing, because the 3,000 is less common here maybe than in other parts of the world, but we see it more indoor than out, that equates to uh, right at four-minute mile pace for just under two miles for Nagus. Those guys at On are on to something special. Did you see that workout that they posted, I think, on YouTube where first repeat was a just a one-mile repeat under four minutes? Yeah, that got a lot of hype. Uh, Sidious Mag shared that, I know. You, you described it as a workout session, which indeed it was. I, I don't have the, the details in front of me or remember them off the top of my head of all the reps they did. But I, I think that was opening it with a mile time trial, uh, mm-hmm. given that they hadn't raced much yet in the season. But yeah, everybody was, was under four minutes at altitude. And as you said, the club's off to a great start because just a couple hours later, the brilliant evening continued when friend of the show, Joe Klecker, also from On Athletic Club, dipped under the 13-minute barrier for 5,000 meters, also at BU, only to get bested by your new American record holder, Woody Kincaid. Uh, Woody Kincaid, formerly and perhaps still of the Bowerman Track Club, we're not sure he's training right now with Mike Smith's group in Flagstaff, Arizona, but has said he might go back to the Schumacher team that's now in Eugene. He closed the last 200 in just a shade over 26 seconds to win in 1251.61. Hasn't that been specifically tuned by the engineers at UVA, very fast indoor track? Yeah, Jeff Burns has done a tremendous article, I believe it was last year, on how they have created the mechanics of that track, the the way, the degree at which the bank happens for it to be a lightning quick track specifically for these distance events. Yeah, And that carries over not just to the Americans, because also that night at BU, Brit Sam Atkin broke Sir Mo Farah's national record in the 3000 with a 731.97. In that same event, the young Americans had huge performances. Drew Bosley actually captured Nagus's collegiate record. And teen sensation Hobbs Kessler of Michigan's Very Nice Track Club went under 740 as well. So blazing fast times at Boston University. It does not stop there because then the next day, North Carolina State phenom Caitlin Tuohy broke the NCAA women's mile record at the Armory at the Dr. Sander Invitational. Phil, do you remember who held that mile record before Caitlin just took it? Oh, I do not. 2009, I believe. I don't know if that helps. A Colorado Buffalo. Jenny Simpson? Jenny Simpson. Jenny Barringer at the time. Yes. Jenny Simpson was the previous record holder now belonging to Caitlin Tuohy. And then this past weekend, we got to see the new indoor facility at New Balance headquarters, also in Boston. 
another indoor track designed specifically to be light and quick. And there with the pro runners, we saw Dutch sensation Fimke Bol set a new world record in the 500 meters uh, wire to wire all alone as the first woman ever to go under 66 seconds for that distance. I think Heather we need McCoy. to see that event more often. Mm-hmm. Hey, no, that's, that's such a, an off distance. distance and everybody's run a, a 400 meter that you know ran in high school or has gone out to the track and run around the, the track as fast as they can but to see the 800 meter specialist as well as the potentially 200 meter specialist come together at an off distance like that I'd, I'd like to see that more often I'll tell you what, Phil, I think the 200 meter specialist you just mentioned would not like to see that more often <laughs> because that is really stretching them. Yeah, but maybe your 400 and your 800 folks. Uh, well, you will get to see this weekend at uh, Milrose, which we'll preview here shortly, we'll get to see that 600 meter distance, which is often mm-hmm. the, the in between. But also at New Balance, we had Heather McLean win the mile in what was a 2023 world leading time of 423. Uh, but that number was eclipsed late this afternoon, just before we started recording, Phil. Uh, good off Sagai dropped a nasty 416 mile for the second fastest women's indoor mile of all time. Ooh. So Phil, we've gone through a bunch. There were a ton of sub four collegiate miles as well among the men. Washington put up something like eight. Uh, just eight from guys, their guys. Uh-huh. Yeah, their home meet. Considering all those, Phil, what was the best performance that we saw among a group of amazing performances in the past two weeks? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with Washington's eight guys under four minutes. And for what that means, just for how competitive collegiate distance running is right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to make the NCAA indoor in the mile to be on the start line, you have to run something like 356, which is mind blowing. And I've actually talked to a couple of the, the guys at Furman, kind of their take on that. Furman's got a couple of guys that have recently gone under four. And just what that means from a competition perspective, to a degree, they're excited about it because everybody's getting faster. And part of it's the, you know, the technology with the tune tracks and the the new spikes, but as well, part of it's just the advances in training that we've seen the past couple of years are really starting to pay off. Yeah, there's no question that level of competition is raising the bar across the sport. And you're right, it is fantastic to see times maybe a decade ago that would have gotten you into say the indoor mile at NCAA championships, you're not even sniffing being anywhere near the ranking needed now. While I think it is a remarkable performance from Washington to put eight guys under four, I want to give a little context to what Woody Kincaid did at BU. Only three men have ever gone faster indoors for 5,000 meters. How about these surnames, Phil? Bekele, Gebra Selassie, Komen. Those Ooh. are the only three in world history to have done it faster. That and is how about, quite a list of company. Yeah, how about this? Only two non-Africans, either indoor or out, have ever covered the distance faster than Woody Kincaid, those two men, Grant Fisher and Jakob Ingebrigtsen. So what do you think he's going to do next? Do you think he's going to go back to uh, Bowerman Track Club, or do you think he's going to stay there with Mike Smith and Flagstaff? 
He had a great quote where he said, acknowledging that Jerry Schumacher's made him the runner that he is today. And he was very gracious and complimentary. With that said, he, he also admits at his age now in his low 30s that he wants to experiment with some other training options, see what might work for him. I suspect that he's moving on. It's just a guess. To me, Woody Kincaid's the performance of these two weeks, and he backed it up this past weekend at New Balance with a mm-hmm. 3,000 meter win when he absolutely, once again, just blitzed the field in the last lap. This is what's interesting here. I love these times, but you know me, Phil. I want to see guys win international medals. That would excite me a whole lot more than these really fast indoor times. Woody Kincaid might be the guy with the best opportunity because of his last lap. If he develops that skill to stay in the race with the best of the world until the final 400, 500 meters of a race, he can close with virtually anyone. Mm-hmm. And he might have the greatest potential to translate these times onto the global scale. So to me, that's super exciting. And, and I think that he is the performer so far of the season. Absolutely. I'll agree with you on that one, Travis. Okay. Well, thank you. appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Phil, let's go ahead and preview the Milrose games because that is the crown jewel of American indoor racing. And that is this Saturday, that's February 11th. And the high performance window of events gets a prime TV slot on NBC from 4 to 6 p.m. So tune in. Let's take a look at the top events and names to watch. A few big ones here, just in chronological order, going through the meet program. In the men's 60-meter dash, we have both the Lyles brothers, Noah and Josephus. We get Christian Coleman. And another really interesting name that I'm super excited to see, that's Nicholas Harbour, who is the high school stud athlete from Washington, D.C. He's actually a football recruit for the University of South Carolina. He was the one that Carolina snagged because... He's going to be able to run track and play football. That's exactly right. He has the opportunity to do both sports there, and he has proven to be a freak in the sprints. It'll just be super fun to see what he's like out of the blocks in that 60 where it's all about your start and acceleration. Uh Next, we have the men's 800, a deep field of Americans here with Clayton Murphy, Bryce Hopple, former NCAA champion Isaiah Harris. Interesting name on the start list here is Cade Flat, the young gun from Ole Miss who neared the high school national record in the 800 last year. Be fun to see how he stacks up against the top guys in the country. Uh, shortly after that is the women's 3,000 uber deep field in the women's 3,000. Uh, names like Whitney Morgan, Ellie Hennis, Gabby Jennings, Eleanor Fulton, Caitlin Tui steps in. On Athletic Club star Alicia Monson, Elise Cranny from Bowerman, Hannah Steelman from the On Group, uh, also formerly of NC State, who won last week at Camel City on the JDL Fast Track, uh, former BYU star Courtney Wayman. So that is a who's who in the women's 3000 much the same shortly after in the men's 3000. That'll get started at five o'clock Eastern. Sam Parsons, Josh Kerr, Luis Grijalva, Nico Young, collegiate out of Northern Arizona, Cooper Tier, Joe Klecker, Jordy Beamish, 
another college star in Dylan Jacobs. So both those 3000s, Phil, just look absolutely incredible. Oh, those 3000 fields are absolutely stacked. Those are going to be great races. And then we finish up with the marquee races, what everyone tunes in to see at Milrose. Those are the Wanamaker Miles, first in the women's Wanamaker Mile, scheduled for 5.41 p.m. British stars Laura Muir and Gemma Riki are here. Sinclair Johnson, Sage Herta. So a nice field in that women's race. And then the men's is deep with top-line talent, some names we've already talked about tonight. Yared Nagus comes back. Ollie Hoare, Ollie the Aussie great. American Olympian Cole Hawker. Neil Gorley of Great Britain, who won last week at uh, New Balance, edged out Sam Tanner. They're both in this field. Friend of the show, Sam Prakel, 10-man star Drew Hunter. I see Eric Sawinski in the start list, which says to me, this is going to be perfectly paced because Eric Sawinski paces a mid-distance race like no other. So the 3,000s and the Wanamaker miles, if you're a mid-distance and distance fan, Milrose on Saturday from four to six on NBC should be fantastic action. Anything in there in particular you are excited for, Phil? I think just the fact that it's on NBC Mm. for two hours in the afternoon, getting that coverage is is fantastic for the depth of these races that we're going to see. Yeah, that's a great time slot. You're the day before the Super Bowl, so there's not any mm-hmm. football that you're going up against. Uh, there'll be you know, some college basketball, probably that sort of thing. But this is a prime slot, and we got a showcase with the names that we just listed. That'd be a ton of fun. Phil, let's wrap it tonight with a, a quick discussion that is rooted in your current training context. You're in this phase of training in which you are training, but maybe not specifically training given some uh, other life events going on and you Mm -hmm. don't yet have a target goal and so it's had me thinking over the past week or so as I see the work you're doing which really has been quite good I think you should be pleased with the progress you're making and the the effort you're getting but it has me wondering what do we do in these down periods or less less focused times of training and what are some specific workout examples that we could provide that maybe someone who is in a similar circumstance, which is often much of our audience, can use to continue getting fit, to be in that place, to bridge a gap, to stay consistent and be ready to move into a, a more focused training cycle, but without pressure, without specific paces, We've mentioned a number here that we go back to time and time again that I do actually think are are quite good in this circumstance. A Mona Fartlek works in almost any point in your training cycle, and it's a 20-minute workout plus warm-up and cool-down. Oh, you're stealing my thunder, Travis. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Were you going to say? No, no, no. That's okay. Go ahead. We use it for like every example, but generally mine are rooted in being efforts you can do without investing a lot of time and which you can anchor in effort rather than, than feeling like you have to hit certain pace splits. So these mm-hmm. are workouts with values at other points in your season, like a Mona Fartlek, but in a bare bones structure are very nice for that down cycle session. So Phil, would you like to go ahead with a first session? Yeah. So, well, I'll kind of give a little bit of background first because 
we've talked a little bit about this, but I'm kind of at a phase of the year where I haven't really put anything on the calendar to focus on. And as I look at my calendar the next month or two, there's a lot of, let's say, opportunity for missed workouts. And there's a couple of moving pieces going on. And I'm not convinced that I'm going to be able to maintain any specific consistency to target anything big. So I've kind of put training just on simmer, if you will, where I'm still trying to get out there, still trying to stay in shape, but don't really have a target on the the horizon. So as part of that, really, my approach through this phase is a couple principles behind what I'm doing. And the first of that's really just maintain consistency, uh, that even though, you know, there's some days that I may still not want to get out the door. And even though there's nothing really on the horizon to get too excited about, that still ticking things over day after day and week after week is going to put me in a better place down the road than if I you know, significantly pull back or totally shut things down for a while. Um, so I think that's the first principle. The second one really is just to continue to enjoy what I'm doing. So I'm spending a lot more time trying to get back out there with friends and run with some groups that I haven't maybe in the past month or two or run with them a little bit more. And then kind of my last principle is really to make sure that I'm hitting all the paces, you know, while some of the workouts may not have extended chunks of time at specific blocks, whether that's 5k pace or marathon pace or whatever, you know, making sure I'm touching on that every week or two on paces across the spectrum, just so I'm not losing too much of that gearing across those paces. Phil, let me pause you there because those three principles that you outlined uh, are fantastic for this down cycle that you're in. Yeah, they also they they apply across the board, and, and do want people to remember to reflect on those, even when you are targeting a specific race. It's going to do a lot of good for you, and I think if you follow some of that advice Phil just laid out, you're probably going to stay happy and healthy throughout any tra- training cycle as well. So, Phil, go ahead with your specific sessions. Yeah, so the first one you kind of hinted at or gave away earlier is the the Mona Fartlick, which really fits in any training cycle. Yeah, so to to review what that is, it's basically two rounds of 90 seconds on, 90 seconds off, four rounds of 60 seconds on, 60 seconds off, four rounds of 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, and then four rounds of 15 seconds on, 15 seconds off. And those on phases gradually get progressively faster. Depending on what the goal is, you could start you know, at half marathon or even marathon pace and then work down to maybe 5k pace or those on cycles, you could start for 90 seconds at 5k pace and then just work faster and faster and faster towards the end. And then the off cycles are really just floats. So you're not really coming off the gas too much. You're still maintaining some intensity in there. It gets progressively harder over that 20 minutes. But, you know, like I talked about in the principles above, we're hitting a wide variety of paces. And as well, it takes 20 minutes to go through. So mm-hmm. you, know, you can have a solid workout in 40 minutes, kind of my go-to workout. Firstly, to add to that, when you talked about those floats, the, the analogy I like to use to, to give more description, Phil, is you're letting off the gas, but you're not hitting the brake. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that it's a coast in between it's steady running. Yeah. Uh, but you can manipulate this in other ways, depending on what your goals are. And you could make the in-between segments jogs and then run the on sections harder as well. Right. Uh, any others, any others that you wanted to mention, Phil? 
the the next workout that I'm a huge fan of, and I haven't experimented with too much, but I'm probably going to do next week is, uh, or I haven't experimented with too much in the, in this cycle is Deke's quarters or Aussie quarters, which are eight by 400 with a 200 float recovery. And this is one as well that you can kind of approach a variety of efforts because it's commonly written. Typically that 400 on is done at about 5k pace with a 200 float around marathon pace or maybe a touch faster. But again, that's this phase of my training. I'm not too strict of where I want that to be. You know, basically 400 hard, 200 with some rhythm to it. So I, I kind of like that just to, to keep things turning over, to keep the leg speed. But as well, you know, you're looking at maybe three miles worth of work. So it's a solid workout that doesn't take a ton of time, but can check a lot of boxes from a fitness perspective. Yeah, great one too, Phil. Any others? You want me to add a couple to the list? Well, I, I got one more here and then I'll... I'll I'm yeah, interested in your input as well. The, just the long run, bouncing off that point of maintaining consistency that I made earlier, having that long run, you know, on a weekly or bi-weekly basis makes it so much easier as I get back into targeting something specific to build off of that rather than having to build back into doing long runs. So just making sure that's a consistent part of my program, I think is going to be important to give me a solid launching point once I finally figure out what I want to start targeting. Those are all great. They can all be done at any point in the year. The volume that you mentioned in those first two sessions, I, I think that's a significant piece because again, when we're in this period of less focused training, it might be because of other things happening in our lives. And we might just not have the time to dedicate to long sessions or we might not have the mental energy and focus, the bandwidth to handle those long sessions. And so the Mona Fartlek and the Deeks quarters fit nicely there. So good picks, Phil. Uh, since you did three, I'll just give three here quickly. I'm going to go with three yeah. things that we have not discussed before. We've talked at times about each of those that you mentioned, Phil. And so let me give three fresh examples now that you can add to this repertoire. The first, since you started with the fartlek, I'll go fartlek first. Three sets of three-minute, two-minute, one-minute reps. So three to one, and then cycling back through that again three times. Uh, you have tons of options here. You could just focus on running fast, or you could make it uh, potentially a threshold-type effort, or vary the paces over the different time segments. However you choose to compose it, the, the beauty here is one, like in your examples, Phil, 18 total minutes of hard work over this entire thing. Two, if you bite off more than you can chew with the early pace, the reps within this workout get shorter as you move through the set. You don't have to hang on for quite as long. And then if you are in that circumstance, you can extend the recovery between sets if desired to get you back to a place of homeostasis and make the second and third sets more palatable. Like the Mona and like the Aussie quarters, the beauty of this workout being able to, to get used at any time, you can manipulate this however you'd like, have some fun with it. And again, just stay fit at any time of the year. Another fart like next, I've heard a number of names for this, but 
I'll just call it a partner fartlek or a team fartlek. This would be get some friends, which is fun. And again, in a a period of less focused training, it's nice just to share these miles with someone. Get a group of two or four or eight. And on a looped course, anywhere from, it could be the track at 400 meters, but I would rather this be on a larger loop, maybe something up to a mile. Partner up. You head in one direction and your friend, your partner heads in the other direction. You're going to go out and just jog easy. And then when you cross each other, we change paces. So if you go out easy and cross, it could be when we see each other, we're going to run hard. And then once we see each other again, we run easy and the pace changes with each subsequent crossing. So it could just be a a way to run, like, especially if it's a shorter loop, just a way to run hard until you see each other, then easy. Or you could say, yeah, let's try to run at a threshold effort until we cross again. And the beauty here is depending on the, like the balance of your abilities, it kind of evens out in how much ground each person covers before seeing the other, because the faster person in the pairing is going to cover more ground at the pace, uh, more distance at the pace than the slower one. Uh, So that's kind of a fun way just to do something. Maybe, you know, get on a, a mile looped course and do three or four miles of it. Then the third and last I'll put out is a modified version of the kind of classic, what some call hills and twos workout, where you do like 30 second hills in a set and then follow it with 200 meters uh, in reps on the track. Let's move this and just make it 30 second hills. Let's say 5k type of effort, and then follow that with 30 second flat efforts that maybe are about the same. So We'll make it 5K, 60 second recoveries between those. So in the hill set, 30 second rep up, jog back down, get through the entire set. Let's say you're going to do six of them. So six by 30 second hills, jog back down, jog to gather yourself after the entire set. And then 30 seconds flat, really kind of targeting the same pace, but that effort's going to feel a little bit easier. And now you've combined the strength of hill work If that set of, again, let's say it starts at six hills with the fluid mechanics and speed of the track, or in my example here, just flat road with that now set of maybe six by 30 seconds flat at 5k. It's also a great introductory workout as you move back into a more structured season. And it's a great session if you're in a structured season for a really long distance, like a half marathon, marathon, or ultra and you've been doing very long sessions, now this can just get you back in touch with some quicker paces and also just mentally refresh you with the shorter session when you've been bogged down maybe in big long runs or big tempo runs. So that's a nice variation to go hills plus flats at similar paces, get some turnover in, and again, not a very long session. Phil, there's maybe three more examples you could add to this rotation for a current period of training you're in that I think a lot of folks share with you. Yeah. And really, I think the big takeaway is that these sessions don't have to be big. They're taking, what, 20 minutes or so. We're hitting a lot of different paces, but there's not as much pressure to hit specific paces, more just doing this effort base so that yes. yeah, there's not the mental drain of you know, I have a huge session I need to hit at XYZ pace. It's more just, let's go out there. Let's get some rhythm. Let's do something that we haven't done in a while. And then just enjoy what you're doing. 
Yeah, I would be focused on monitoring the internal load rather than external load metrics. How yeah. do you feel versus you know specifics to pace or or heart rate, which I value then also as I transition and move into the early part of a a structured training phase as well. And to your point, Phil, not only do sessions not have to be big, often maybe they shouldn't be. Right. This goes goes to Andrew Colley. We had to shift our uh, our scheduled plan of podcasts here recently because we were able to squeeze Andrew in. But one of the great points he made is he's just trying to hit singles. And sometimes you overreach with those big sessions, especially if they're hard sessions. You know, a lot of fast work. It can be overkill. And maybe that these shorter sessions are where our priority should be more frequently but we just get caught in this trap of thinking I need to do more 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 all the time. I need to do faster, faster, faster all the time. I don't believe that's necessarily true, particularly not in a down period in your training, because that's also a recipe to leave you unhealthy moving into the more serious training. And that's a really bad starting place. Yeah. This sets us up to, as we look to put something officially on the, on the calendar, being happy with the fitness that I have going into that is a really good launching point to do more specific work. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's wrap it there. That'll do it for mile 142 of the Seconds Flat podcast. Enjoy the Milrose games. It'll be an excellent event. We got some big stuff coming, don't we, Phil? I don't want to love oh, I, I can't tell you how excited how excited I am about what you got coming up, Travis. Fun interview on deck here soon that I don't want to give too much away, but one of the best tastes of applicable physiology that we have gotten to share on this show. So we're super excited for that. Phil, I want you to take some time, get to work on that internet connection of yours. I need to see your beautiful face next week. I miss that lovely smile of yours. (laughs) Thank you, buddy. I hope you have a great (laughs) week. Continued with the great running, man. Real happy that you've been able to, even though as you talk about these potential pitfalls in the upcoming schedule, you're still putting together some pretty good stuff right now. So keep it up. Same to everyone out there. Enjoy your running this week. As always, please contact us if you have any questions or comments or show ideas, secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoy the program. And we look forward to seeing you next time, Mile 143 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Everybody have a great week.